Good morning. Good morning. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to do a little bit of review just for a couple, couple minutes, and then we'll get into our lesson for this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. So in a way of review, somebody just shout out to me. You don't have to raise your hand, but uh, just give me one of the metaphors that we've already looked at so far uh, in this series. A farmer. Brother Kevin. Light. Salt. There's three. A soldier. Who, who said that? Josh. Student. That's it. That's all we've looked at so far. And so, Pastor's been beating on this thing. It's loose. We'll fix it. Today, we're going to look at a runner in the Christian race. And I, I like this passage. I like this topic. Uh, for one, it's easy to, uh, for us to, to um, uh, it's easy for us to understand, uh, and it's also easy for us to understand why running in the Christian race is so hard. How many of you like running? You like running? It's, it's, it's very few. Good, good. I know how good running is for me, but I don't like doing it. And uh, even when I was in high school, I was about 30 pounds lighter, and I was a decent runner, but I never liked running. I've never enjoyed just going out to run. Now, Pastor, on the other hand, I don't know if he enjoys it or likes to torture himself or what it is, but he's run marathons and everything else. Uh, and I've trained for marathons. I got up to about a 20-mile 20 20 training and then had some uh, stress fracture in my leg, so I ended up having to stop. So I've never actually done a marathon, uh, but Pastor's done three or four of them. Uh, seems to enjoy it. I hate running. There we go. I got, I got lots, of, lots of backup. But in Hebrews chapter 12... And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 uh, first, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it just for a minute and then get into the actual lesson. But Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 1. Wherefore, now what does that word wherefore mean? Does anybody know? And I don't mean the definition of it, but what does it mean? To, what is it telling us to do? Yeah, look, wherefore and therefore are very similar, but it's saying, okay, because of this, we're going to do something now. So we got to look back uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll do that in a minute. But first word says, Wherefore, because of this, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So just a little bit of background on this passage, or a little bit of looking at chapter 11 then, Paul was giving us, or whoever the writer is, I, I think it was probably Paul, but whoever it was, we don't have the author, was telling us he gave us chapter 11 to, to inspire us in chapter 12. You see how many times he says us. So he's including himself, but all of us, let all of us, let's run our race with patience, the race that's set before us. So he's not saying uh, Hebrews chapter 11, so we can go, by the way, what do we call Hebrews chapter 11? The, the faith chapter, the hall of faith, it's just uh, some, some terms we've coined, the Bible doesn't call it that, but it's exactly what it is. It's 40 verses, basically, of heroes of the faith 
in the Bible, people we recognize, and some that we're not super familiar with. Some of those names mentioned, uh, you may go, man, I don't even remember their story, and you'd have to go look it back up. But many of them, Moses and Abraham and, and just so many others that we recognize, we know their story, and we understand uh, what they had uh, what they had going on because of Bible passages uh, in the Old Testament. But he takes all these verses to tell us and to remind us about the faith that these people walked. And then he says, because of that, I want you to run your race in the same way. But we have all these, these big names. But look at uh, verse, let's see, for, verse 32. And what shall I say, what shall I more say of, of chapter 11? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel, and of the prophets. By the way, in that verse, it's an encouragement to us too, because you know, you know Gideon uh, went and, and with 300 men just did this great feat, destroyed an entire army. But do you know at the end of Gideon's life, he turned back to idol worship? And when Gideon died, because Gideon was a judge, when he died, Israel went full-fledged into Baal worship. Uh, I can't remember exactly what that passage is, but I was just reading it uh, when I was studying. It's in the Old Testament. But as soon as, as soon as Gideon died, they went back into Baal worship. But before he died, it talks about him starting to head that direction. But Gideon, Barak, what did Barak do? He was a judge too, but remember, he was scared that he would not go fight. He had to, God had to send uh, Deborah to help him. Of Samson, you know the problem Samson had. Uh, Samson's life is, is it's a great story with a tragic, tragic ending. Uh, and of Jephthah and of David, these people all had, they had big problems that we're told about in the Bible. But God puts them in this hall of faith for us to look up to. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire. By the way, he says, stop the mouths of lions, and Daniel's not in there. So there was others, I believe, that this happened to. Uh, verse 34, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, which is, remember uh, John says, I think it's John, if, if the if the... Things that Jesus did were written. The, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written about Christ. Women received their dead raised to life again. That could be Mary and, and Martha. It could be others that God that Jesus did that for, and we just don't have it recorded. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. What does that mean? They were tortured, and they would not recant their faith. Uh that they, uh, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. But uh, you read all these stories, you read all these uh, things that happen to these people, and you read maybe Fox's Book of Martyrs, or we hear stories about uh, people that were martyred for their faith, and, and it is inspiring. 
but they had to go through that. They were sawn asunder, and, and not to be graphic, but they did that while they were still alive. I mean, they were just torturing in, in every conceivable way to, to get them to recant this faith that they had finally found in Jesus Christ, and they wouldn't do it. The Bible even says the wor- world wasn't worthy of them. So he gives us all of that in chapter 11, so that in chapter, he says, chapter 12 he says, Wherefore? seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And while I was studying this, I've always thought so great a cloud of witnesses, what do we think of? This huge cloud of witnesses, right? But there's another way to look at that too, seeing we are compassed about with so great. These people were great in their faith. Um, A lot of them, but great faith. We're compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us. So because of this, what we see in chapter 11, let that be an inspiration to us now, chapter 12. And that's what we're going to look at this, this morning, uh, a runner in the Christian race. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. God, I thank you for the example we have in your word. God, people that were great in their faith, and the Bible records it for us, and I thank you for that. God, it's an inspiration to us, it's an example and a testimony to us. And I pray it would be more than that, God, that we would follow in their footsteps. Uh, not, not to be like them, but, but to be like you uh, the best that we can. God, I pray that we would never uh, forsake this faith that you've given us, this salvation. And uh, God, we have it very easy in America right now. And I thank you for that. Thank you for the freedoms we do have. But I, God, I pray as it gets tougher, that we would never uh, forsake what you've given to us, that uh, it would be able to be said of us. The world's not worthy of the faith that you've given us uh, as we stand. Pray that you bless this time we have together, and as we look at this uh, running uh, in our Christian race, it'll be an encouragement uh, and an inspiration to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to get right into the lesson. Why do we run? And the first reason, we already have talked about it a decent amount, uh, amount, is because uh, of the the witness of these heroic runners of the faith that we have uh, as an example in chapter 11. Now, uh, there's a whole list of them, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Abraham again, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and and the list goes on, and then a whole bunch of not named. He just talks about what happened to them, but no names. Um, And I think it's important to, to remember that this is, we're not just trying to emulate what they've done we're not just oh man that's what they did that's what i'm gonna do it's more of a god did this for them and he'll do it for us you imagine that saw blade or whatever they had it says they were sawn asunder so i don't know what they were using a hand saw or a wheel that was spinning whatever it was imagine that saw coming down to their body they know what's about to happen and they will not recant their faith. That's strength from God. You don't do that on your own. I don't care how much you believe in something. It's, it's, you're not going to do that. It's strength from God that allowed them to go through uh, and, and finish their course, finish their race. That was the end of their race. And they got to stand before God uh, and, um, and I'm sure hear him say, well done. I mean, he, he uh, put them in this hall of faith chapter. And I think it's interesting here, me and pastor were looking at this. Go to Revelation chapter 21. This is not in my notes, so hopefully it's the passage I'm thinking of and I'm not on the wrong chapter. If it's if it is, I know what the verse says, so 
But Revelation chapter 21, you know, we talk about the, the millennial reign where we will reign with Christ. And I do believe that because a couple verses later, uh, it says that. But um, let's see. Okay. Somebody may have to look this up for me in Google really fast. Just look up the word beheaded um, in, in the King James Bible. And it should be, it's Revelation 20 or 21. I knew this was going to happen. Twenty verse four. Okay, look at Revelation chapter twenty and verse four. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And I, was, I, I went to pastor and I said, does that mean that the millennial reign is for only for those that were beheaded and maybe martyred for Christ? I mean, that's what it says. I saw thrones and they that sat on, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. And then it goes on to, to describe those that were beheaded. So they were beheaded and they did not worship the beast, neither his image, neither had the mark on their foreheads or in their hands. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And we were going back and forth. He said, well, maybe it's describing everybody that didn't take the mark and all that, in, in addition to those that were beheaded. But if you keep on going, uh, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in this first resurrection, which it describes in, in verse 5, so go to there. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy. So everybody that wasn't beheaded for the cause of Christ, all right? Verse 4. Then verse 5 says, but the rest of the dead, so for whatever reason, old age, whatever reason they died, lived not again till the thousand years were finished. So the thousand years of these that were beheaded, they reigned with Christ. Then after that, the rest of the dead are raised. This is the first resurrection. Then verse 6 says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That'd be anybody not beheaded. They're part of that first resurrection. Uh, on such, the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So is it two separate thousand year reigns? I don't know. It's very interesting. My point is, um, they, through the strength that they got from Jesus Christ, from their faith in Christ, they were able to go through with this martyrdom or whatever. And God has a, a reward for them. They are going to get to reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's not the point of this lesson, but the point is not also not, oh, I'm just going to be like uh, Abraham in, in the hall of faith. It's you run your race because chapter 12 in verse one, because we have all of this, he doesn't say you go out there and be like Abraham. He says, run your race with patience, the race that is set before us. So we have a race that, that God is giving us. We have a life that's completely different than everybody else's. A Christian walk, a Christian race that we have to run. It's different than everybody else. He says, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Follow their example, but run your race uh, that God has set before you. All right, so we run because we have this, this uh, example of, of the other Christians. Hudson Taylor said this. And you know Hudson Taylor was, was the founder of the Inland uh, the Chinese in the mission and all that had thousands and thousands of missionaries come to China. 
uh, to spread the gospel. But he said this, God is not looking for men of great faith, only some common souls like you or me willing to trust in his great faithfulness. And I think that that trust in his great faithfulness is your faith. But he's not looking for, he doesn't find somebody with great faith and then use them necessarily. He finds somebody surrendered and willing to go and he gives them that faith that they need and that strength to run that race that he's put in front of them. So we run uh, because of the examples of others and we also run to win the prize. Now, Pastor has mentioned this quite a few times uh, in the last year or so. Uh, and I think it's interesting, and, and you'll see as, as pastors um, continue in their ministry, certain things uh, jump out to them, and, and they, they stay on them for a while. I know every pastor, think they'll go through things in their church, and, and a passage will jump out to them. And I think this is one of the things here in the last year or so that has jumped out to him. It's not selfish, it's not sinful to run your Christian life, your Christian race, in order to win the prize. Uh, second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Obtain what? The prize. Paul is telling the Corinthians, run to win this prize. What is that prize? It's the crowns that we're going to be given when we, when we get to heaven for for accomplishing different things and also interesting we don't get we don't just take those crowns and put them in our in our mansion and for everybody to see what do we get those crowns for to put them at Jesus Christ's feet that's why we get them so the more crowns we have the better we the better we get to give back to Christ when we get to heaven but that's a motivation in our Christian lives run to win that prize um and Paul did this second Corinthians go to second Corinthians chapter 11 I have it written down, so I'm not going to turn there, but you turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Why, this is a, a kind of a little autobiographical snippet of, of Paul's ministry. Why would he go through all of this? For the Corinthian church who was going back to, to idols, and, and no, he was doing it for Christ. But 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 says this. Through 28. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Five times. He was beaten 39 with 39 lashes. That, that's a lot. I mean, Jesus Christ was beat like that. Paul got it five times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. I mean, what does that mean? He was a day and a night. He was bobbing in the water trying to survive, probably on a piece of lumber from the ship that was shipwrecked. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." Uh, think about the stress that is on a pastor, especially in this day and age with, with all the cultural issues that we're dealing with. Um, he's running one church. Paul was, Paul was leading all of these new churches. He says that besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul tells us why he did that. I press toward the mark 
for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why does he do it? He says that, to win the prize. Uh, and I think, it's, I think it's so important that Paul puts all this, in, or the author puts this in chapter 12, about us running a race. We are running a race, not to finish necessarily. We, we need to finish it, but that's not the goal of the race. If the goal is just, well, the end of, your, of, end of everybody's life is the finish, that is their finish line, I mean, then everybody's going to finish, right? That's not what finishing your race is. Finishing your race is accomplishing everything that God has for you to do in your Christian life. Uh, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had this calling on his life from God, and he was, he was at all costs willing to accomplish and wanting to accomplish the prize of finishing his race. But, but look at 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28. You may still be there. And look at that later this week, maybe, and, and act, see what Paul went through to finish this race. Paul kept his eyes on the prize ahead. Uh, he, I mean, think about this. If you got stoned one time, if you went down to Short Pump Town Center and, and started handing out tracks and you got stoned, I can promise you what you're not going to do again. You're not going to Short Pump Town Center to hand out tracks. You may say, I would now until you get stoned and left for dead. I mean, they weren't just throwing rocks at him. They were leaving Paul for dead. And they think he's dead because they've stoned him so bad. They all walk away and Paul's able to, you know, get out of these rocks and, and go on with his life. One of these th sufferings, I, I unfortunately, I think would discourage any one of us from at least being outspoken about our faith again. But look at all that Paul went through. And he says in Philippians, I'm, I'm still pressing toward that mark. No wonder, uh, the, the, um, I think the Romans said his body, he's, he's a small guy. He's, his body, I mean, he doesn't see, but his words are weighty. Well, Paul was probably basically handicapped from all that he went through. I mean, look at the, the there would not have been much medical help. He's, he's beat 39 times, five, time, five different times, stoned beat with rods, shipwrecked. I mean, Paul was probably a mess physically, yes. He said he bore the marks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly, if nothing else, he had a ton of scars all over him, but, um, but he was pressing toward that mark. Looking unto Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Who's our ultimate example? Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did Christ carry on with his race? To win the prize. For the joy that was, that's what it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's why he did it. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Even Jesus Christ ran his race to receive that prize at the end. The, the joy of setting down at the, at the right hand of his father knowing his task was accomplished. All right, then how do we run? And the first, the first thing I want to look at here is we run with all we have. Um, you have to run with, with all of your effort. I talked about last week uh, wrestling and how, you know, a wrestling match is six minutes long because you're given everything you can in those six minutes. But a runner's pretty similar. Uh, I had been, I'm embarrassed to say how long it had been since I ran. So I went out not too long ago and decided, oh, 
a mile sounds like a lot. I know I can finish a mile without walking, right? So I went out to run, and I'm telling you, half a mile in, it was everything I could do. Just if I ever stopped running when I was, okay, say I was going to do a mile and I stopped running, my dad from Indiana would probably come, come beat me. So I know better than to stop when I'm trying to run. But I was barely moving. And I'm, I'm winded, my lungs are burning, my legs are burning, they feel like jelly. That's running. It's not just your legs. It's your entire body. And that's how the Christian race is. It's not just the actions of going through running your Christian race. Everything in your life is tied up in it if you're truly running. Uh, and I tell guys that work that all the time. Um, you know, they, they, they talk about religion. And it, Christianity is not a religion to us. It is who we are. Our entire, our lives, everything about us is wrapped up in this faith that we have. You can't separate your faith with your daily life. It's, it's, it is who you are. Uh, but we run with all we have. Uh, half-hearted effort is ineffective in the Christian race. If, if one day you're surrendered and you're going to do everything you can for Jesus and the next day people can't even tell you're a Christian, you're running, you, you're giving half effort at best. And it's ineffective. It's ineffective in your testimony to others. Others are going to be like, I mean, he's a decent guy, but every other day he's, he's a different person. It's ineffective in your testimony, but it's also ineffective in actually accomplishing things for God. Uh, we talk about this often, and I think it's very biblical, uh, that God does not use a dirty vessel. If, if one day you're, you're strong and, and resisting temptation and walking uh, in the spirit and the next, you're giving in to every single temptation out there, God's not going to use you. It, not that he can't. I've, heard, I, I've made that mistake before and said God can't use you and have people come up, well, God used Pharaoh. So it's not that he can't use you, but he's not going to use you to your full potential for in your work for Christ. Uh, Jim Elliott said this, and y'all know who Jim Elliott is, the missionary to Ecuador that was, that was killed. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. That's good advice. If you believe this is the will of God, be all in. Uh, if you believe that this is the church God has led you to, be all in. If you believe that, you know, uh, some ministry that God has, yeah, that, I want you to be a part of that ministry. Be all in it until he calls you away from that, uh, from that work. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hill every situation you believe to be the will of God. And that's biblical. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. What does that heartily mean? With full effort, with, with everything you have. So we run with all that we have. Secondly, we run within the rules. And this is, this is uh, Pastor has talked about this recently, so I'm not going to belabor this point either. But every game you play, every sport you play has rules. Without rules, the game cannot be played. Think about football. If you don't have sidelines that you have to stay in, how do you know what's legal and what's not? So you have to be within the rules. Well, the same thing with the Christian race. Um, and we only get into this race by accepting Christ, by the way. Uh, until you've accepted Christ, you're not even running the race. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, but y'all know, uh, speaking of running, the Boston Marathon, uh, you can't just go sign up for the Boston Marathon and run. You have to qualify in other marathons. So when you run the Boston Marathon, you've at least 
run a couple marathons first with a decent enough time to qualify to be able to participate in the Boston Marathon. And that's, that's kind of how the Christian life is. You don't get to be in this race unless you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Okay, now you, you're able, you're allowed to start at, the, at that starting line when the gun goes off. But just starting, being able to be in this race doesn't mean you're going to finish well. There's plenty of people that start that Boston Marathon and don't even finish it. So they've qualified for it. But they don't, doesn't mean they run a good race. Um, but we have to be within the rules. And that first rule is accepting Christ as our Savior. Um, I read a story about, and y'all may, some of y'all may remember this in 1980. Uh, there was a woman named Rosie Ruiz. She was the first woman to finish first place in the Boston Marathon. And uh, when she finished, she wasn't, she didn't look like a great athlete. I mean, she was in okay shape, but she didn't look like a great runner or anything else. So people were kind of surprised, but she finished first. So, you know, they, they gave her the prize and, and gave her the reward for it, which I think comes with money and everything else. And, uh, and then they started looking at video and they said, she never crossed this checkpoint. She never crossed this checkpoint. And they went back and actually ended up taking her medal from her and the money and the reward money because with, at one mile left in the race, she didn't run any of the other 25 miles. At one mile left in the race, she jumped in out of the crowd and finished first. And they just didn't catch it until, until a little bit later. She wasn't running in the rule, within the rules, right? Within the bounds of uh, the rules of that race. And so <clears throat> the example here, or, or the, the parallel here is we can run and look good in, in our Christian race, but it doesn't mean we're running within the rules. And... God is much more observant than any of these, uh, you know, Boston Marathon officials. He knows what we're doing. You live your life all through the week uh, by your rules and, you know, just kind of not regarding what, what God's word says, but come to church and look good on Sunday. God knows you're not running your Christian race well because you're not living by the rules. And when I say by the rules, I don't mean... Uh, you know, pastor said we can't do this. Pastor said we can't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about within the bounds of the Bible. And if you're not running your race within those bounds, you're, you're not going to finish your Christian race well because you're not, you're not running the race right. Third thing is we run with, within the rules. Then we run without weights. Verse 1 says that of chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So what does that tell us? The weight is not necessarily sin. These weights, um, because he makes a differentiation. Lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin. So what are these weights? Um, and that's, that's the third thing. Run without these weights. Let us lay aside Every weight. A weight is something that holds us back from being as useful as we could be uh, for Jesus Christ. And, and it could be, <clears throat> and most likely is, things that are not bad. Um, think about a runner. He shows up to uh, just say the, run the, the Boston Marathon, and he's got uh, snow boots on and a parka and big snow pants like he's going skiing, right, and huge gloves and a hat. Is he ready to run and win the Boston Marathon? He's not. Are snow boots bad? No, there's nothing wrong with them. Is a, is a stocking cap bad? There's nothing wrong with it. 
but it's a weight when you're trying to get the best time you can in a race. It's the same thing with our Christian walk, our Christian race. Um, if we come in with, with relationships that are holding us back and taking all of our effort, um, and we know it's not a good relationship, whether it's, whether it's uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, um, we, need, we need to set that relationship aside, lay aside that weight so we can be useful for Christ. could be habits that we have. Uh, maybe staying up super late watching something that's perfectly harmless. But, we, but then when we wake up in the morning, we're not, we can't have our walk with God because I'm so tired. I sleep until 30 minutes before I got to be to work. It's harmful, a habit. But maybe some of our hobbies uh, that are taking us away from ministries that God, we know God has called us to. You've gone to pastor and said, I believe God wants me to be a part of this ministry. But I got these things that I just, you know, these hobbies, they're not bad. But are they, are they weights that are taking us away from the race that God has called us to run? Uh, so lay aside the weights. And then lastly, in this point, run with patience. Uh, he says that in chapter 12, verse 1, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You ever had a coach uh, in, in practice and he says, line up to do sprints, right? I know everybody's run sprints at some point in their life. He says, line up to do sprints. What does he say when he's trying to encourage you to go faster? Run, 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 run. Does that sound patient? Not at all. Run, run, run. But when you're running a marathon, except for the you know, first couple people, they're not doing a full-out sprint for 26 miles. They set a pace and they run with patience their race that they have before them. Most people running a marathon aren't running to be first place. They would love to, but they know their, their limits. They're too old or they're, not, they're, they're too heavy or they're just not a great runner, but they are going to finish this race. They run with patience. They don't try to keep up with the first place guy. Um, they don't try to, if you sprint it out, you know, from the, from the start line on a marathon at about three miles, even if you're a good runner, you're going to be struggling. And then you've got 23 miles to go. God has set a race in front of us and everybody's, everybody's pace is going to be different. We like a pace to be fast spiritually. That's great. Sometimes you're feeling good and your pace picks up a little bit. Sometimes you're really struggling and your pace has to slow down, but we never stop running that race that God has set before us. Run it with patience. And, and patience, James chapter 1, verse 3, let me read this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What does that word perfect mean? Mature, complete. So we run with patience and, and trials give us that patience. Uh, and, and I know, I, I haven't really been through anything in my life that I would consider, I, I wouldn't say, let me, let me say, I've not been through extremely, extremely hard trials. I've been through some hard ones. I've had my mom pass away. Uh, everybody goes through sickness. Everybody goes through, you know, broken bones and things like that. But every trial that you go to, it could be a spiritual trial. It could be something where you just do not feel like walking in the Spirit. We're working with Emma on that. I wouldn't say that with her here, but walking in the Spirit. What does that mean? I don't feel like it, 
But God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives. You walk in the Spirit, whether you feel like it or not. And these trials work patience in our life. And what's the point of patience? Has it to have her perfect work that we may be mature and entire, wanting nothing. So we let things that come into our life mature us, and that is part of the patience of running our Christian, Christian race. Uh, James chapter 5 says this, You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. doesn't mean the Lord is pitiful. It means he has pity on those that run with patience. You may not be the fastest there. You may not be the strongest. You may be struggling along. I've been there. I've done half marathons and things, and at about mile nine, you're like, I don't, I don't know how I can possibly go another, another step. And then you get a second wind, and you end up finishing. And that's what God does for us. If he sees you struggling along, but still struggling along, he gives you that, that pity or that mercy that you need and gives you that patience to, to continue to run the race. And then lastly, and very quickly, where do we run? We run to Christ. Uh, that's kind of a given, and, and it's not necessarily a place that we run, are running, but we run to Christ when we're in need. Um, you look through the entire New Testament, where when these people were handicapped or blind or sick, where did they run when they heard, heard about Christ? They ran to Christ. That's what we need to do. We don't run to our friends for advice necessarily, even though that's fine. The Bible does say in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Uh, we don't necessarily run to our pastor, even though that's okay at times. We run to Christ. God, I am struggling with this. I need help. We can get good advice from all kinds of people, but we're running our race, remember. What worked for somebody else may not work for me. Only God knows what I need for my race. So we run to Christ, and I'm hurrying here, um, and we run to the finish line. And that's pretty obvious, but it's a reminder. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due, season, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It doesn't just say everybody's going to finish. Everybody's going to be well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we'd love to hear that. And sometimes we hear that preached. When you finish your race here on earth, God, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done. Not to everybody. Why do you think Paul made such a big deal about the fact that he wants to hear God say that to him? Because everybody doesn't hear that. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, but only if we faint not. In Acts chapter 20, Paul says this, But none of these things move me, neither count on my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul knew that this ministry he had was from Christ himself, and he wanted to finish that race with joy. And so in conclusion, and I've, I think I've concluded with this several times, it is a privilege to run in this Christian race. Uh, it's a privilege because not everybody gets an opportunity to hear the gospel. Does, are they still going to be accountable for their own life? Yeah, they are. But not everybody. There's many, many places in this world that they've never heard of Jesus Christ and the gospel. We've been privileged to hear that. Now, once we've heard it and we've accepted it, that's also a privilege. God has 
allowed our eyes to be open to understand what the gospel is, now we have this privilege of running this Christian race. Let's run it to the best of our ability, but not just on our own, not just looking at Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to do that with determination and grit. No, with the help of God, we're going to run our Christian race with patience so that when we get to stand before God, he can say, you did great, well done. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Runner in the Christian race. Let's pray and we'll be finished. God, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for again for another opportunity we have to open your word. God, there's so much in it. I pray that we'll take these verses we've got this morning and, and go back and study them this week and meditate on them and, and just really uh, get everything we can from them uh, spiritually and, and be encouraged to walk in the spirit and to run our Christian race with patience and with faith so that we can uh, see a smile on your face when we finish and hear you say well done to us for the race that we ran. God, I pray that we'd accomplish everything you have for us to accomplish with our race, uh, that we wouldn't look uh, next to us and, and see what the next guy is doing. I pray that we would accomplish what you have for us to accomplish, and I pray that we would uh, understand what the will of the Lord is. I pray that we would uh, be praying what you want us to be involved in, what you want us to help with, uh, all of those things so that we can accomplish what you want us to accomplish in our race. Pray that you'd be with this next hour, that you'd fill our pastor with your power, and that you'd feed us with exactly what we need. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're dismissed.